Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. I invite you to turn this morning to Luke chapter 18. We're going to begin reading this morning with verse 35, where we left off last Sunday morning. Hope you've had a great week. Hope you have an even better week this coming week. The Lord bless you and use you to his honor and glory. We're in a series in the Gospel of Luke. We entitled the series, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. We continue to see Jesus demonstrating that, uh, that truth throughout his ministry as he continues to uh, move closer toward the cross. As we see, Jesus has now uh, crossed the Jordan River and he's in the region of Judea and he continues his, his ministry. We're going to see a miracle that took place uh, there in, uh, in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And so this morning we're going to look at Luke chapter um, 18, beginning with verse 35. And I want to invite you, if you will, to stand with me as we read the Word of God together. If you're able, please, Luke 18, beginning with verse number 35. We read, Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. From this passage today, I'll bring a message entitled, The Kind of Faith That Jesus Responds to. Let's join our hearts in prayer. Father, we want to thank you today for this privilege of worship, and we continue in a spirit of worship. And Lord Jesus, we do just want to say once again, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for us, that you were buried, that you rose again. We thank you that you're alive in our midst today, and we pray that you would manifest your presence among your people, that you would be glorified today in our worship. Lord, we worship you now as we as we've read the Word of God together, as we look into your Word in this passage together, as we, re as we receive your Word today, as we, as we desire to hear from you, Father, we pray you will speak through your Word and through your servant today, that you will be glorified in this day and, and on which we're coming to worship, along with other brothers and sisters here and around the world today. We pray that Christ will be glorified. We pray that we'll proclaim the gospel faithfully today. And we pray... 
Lord, for those who have not responded to the gospel in repentance and faith, that you would awaken their hearts to their need for Christ, that you would author faith in their hearts today. And Father, we also would pray, uh, Lord, for those who are your children, that we would, uh, Lord, recognize um, our need uh, to respond to your word and to respond in compassion to those around us who are in need, to those who are still blinded by sin, and that we would recognize our, our privilege as well as our responsibility to proclaim the gospel of Christ. Be glorified now as our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. If you come to our church in the past few years, uh, you may not know one of our members named Bill Lawn. Do we have, have Brother Bill's picture there, by any chance, Jonathan? Some of you know Brother Bill, who, uh, who along with his wife, Alma Sue, is now with the Lord, been members of our church for many years. He's now on up in years and homebound and unable to be here. Uh, but many of you have been here long know he was blinded on the job in an accident. And he could have, as I understand it, left, uh, you know, with a retirement or disability at that point. But he chose to continue working and uh, excelled in his job, um, relying on his other senses, as I'm told, even uh, was able to do his job maybe better than others who had sight. Um, but stories of Brother Bill Long uh, abound. Uh, we... Uh, know, of course, that he was able to, after blindness, rebuild uh, an old car uh, in his garage there, I'm sure, along with his sons. And uh, uh, he cut his grass and did other uh, yard work, uh, and sometimes doing it at night because it didn't hinder him. And uh, he also had a good sense of humor, uh, has a good sense of humor. And uh, his uh, co-workers who would provide transportation he didn't drive uh, they would bring him uh, home uh, from work amen and uh, would let him out in front of a neighbor's home rather than his home intentionally and uh, but he would always find his way back home and uh, uh, when I first came here as pastor I was visiting with with each of the deacons uh, getting to know members and um, so Brother Bill was an active deacon at that time, so uh, he, uh, I invited him to go visiting with me. And we were going to visit someone who lived here, a regular attender that lived here uh, on Lucy Road that he'd been known for a number of years. So we were traveling in this direction on Lucy Road and uh, getting close to the church building. And, and Brother Bill said, I think you've gone too far. And uh, sure enough, I had. I had to turn around. He knew where the house was. He couldn't see it. But he traveled that way so many times, uh, uh, he, knew, he knew where people lived. And uh, so Brother Bill has never considered his blindness to be a handicap. And we appreciate and admire that about him. And, and pray for Brother Bill and pray and, and encourage you to, to minister to him and visit with him as a part of our, our church family who, who served the Lord here in our church family faithfully for, for many years in various capacities. Uh, the story we, we've read today is a, is a miracle recorded in, in, uh, in Mark as well, and Matthew as well. Uh, and there are differences in each of these accounts. Uh, that, that, is not, uh, that doesn't indicate contradiction. Uh, if, if, you, if three witnesses saw uh, an, an event that took place, no doubt each one of them would, would have a different perspective on that uh, event. 
Uh, and so uh, that's what we see with these various Gospels. We see different aspects that are pointed out by these different witnesses. Some who saw personally, other, others who received this account, as did Luke, who was not present but received the word from, from others. And so uh, uh, Matthew indicates that there were two men. Uh, as well, the other two Gospels only zero in on this one individual. Uh, Matthew indicate, uh, rather Mark tells us that the man's name was Bartimaeus, which the word Bar is the Aram uh, Aramaic word for son. His father's name Timaeus, and so he tells us about that as well. And uh, and and he's the only one to identify him by name. The other Gospels indicate uh, there that that he was leaving Jericho, while Luke says he was approaching Jericho. Again, no contradiction. One explanation has been offered that there were two Jerichos, one that was now in ruins uh, and, uh, and then the new uh, Jer Jericho now thriving. So uh, that could be the explanation. We don't know for sure, but there is one and we trust the word of God and believe the word of God to be in the inerrant word of God. And uh, so, uh, but Jesus, as we said, is now entered into the region of, of Judea and uh, continuing toward uh, Jerusalem. And these, these miracles are the last recorded in Luke. And uh, many, uh, well, I say that, there are gonna, there's going to be one in, in chapter 19 when Zacchaeus comes to, comes to Jesus. Amen. That's a miracle. Uh, so, but one of this nature, let's put it that way. And, and there will be a couple of other conversions, the centurion at the cross and the thief at the cross. Those two are miracles, but of this, this nature, healing miracle, uh, uh, this is uh, the, last, the last of these that are mentioned in Scripture. Uh, this miracle, again, on behalf of uh, our Lord, on behalf of this blind man illustrates for us uh, the kind of faith that Jesus responds to. So I want you to notice with me several characteristics about this man's faith uh, and, and the kind of faith that Jesus responds to. Now I have seven points and I've already had several comments to me about how long we're going to be here today. So buckle your pew belt and, uh, and let's uh, move into these seven characteristics of the kind of faith uh, that, and, and by the way, you have to listen fast, okay? So, uh, so you go ahead and, uh, and we'll look at those today. First of all, Jesus responds to the faith of those who realize that Jesus is near. He responds to the faith of those who realize that Jesus is near. Uh, again, uh, we see this blind man uh, sitting by the road. Uh, we, again, we believe him to be Bartimaeus. And uh, blindness, by the way, was very common uh, in this day. And uh, whether it was caused by birth defects uh, or whether it was caused by injury at some point later. And some indication that this man's uh, blindness was, was uh, something that occurred later because he wants to be, have his sight restored, giving indication he had previously had sight. And, uh, but we don't know what his uh, blindness was caused by. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, again, blindness in this time, there was no, uh, there were no programs, there were no uh, provisions for people who were blind other than doing exactly what Bartimaeus is doing, begging. That was what people did who had blindness. And, you know, sadly, as we've seen in others who were sick, uh, people at this time, even the Jews, wrongly believed 
that this was an indication of God's punishment. But on the other hand, they were obliged uh, by Old Testament law uh, to give alms or money to those who, uh, who were beggars. And, and so, and they considered that, uh, some at least, I'm sure though, there were those who gave in, good, good, uh, in a good spirit and a good attitude, but some no doubt thought this was a way that God would, would bless them. And uh, so Bartimaeus and uh, the, the other here is, uh, are sitting here on the highway, no doubt others along the way, at a very strategic point. Some of you know that we have people who, who uh, locate themselves in strategic places where there are going to be people there to receive money. And we see that happen in our world today, so in our city, in our community. And so that's exactly what you see here as well. And, uh, but on this particular day, something was different. You know, again, like I said about Brother Bill, who would rely on other senses, that's exactly what Bartimaeus would do. He would learn to tell a lot about, about hearing things. I have a feeling that Bartimaeus had sat here so long that uh, he probably could recognize some people's footsteps as they would be coming along. And, uh, but on this day, he could tell something was really different. There was a large, a lot of noise of the, of the crowd. And so immediately he began to say, what's going on? What's happening? What's going on? Since he couldn't see. And so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was, was passing by. Well, obviously, uh, because we see his response, he must have heard about Jesus. He had heard about Jesus. And, and so, uh, and, you know, he obviously knew that he had, and had heard the word about him, that he had, he had healed uh, people's illnesses, that he'd even healed blinded eyes. And so he was excited to hear this. Perhaps when he heard about that, uh, he began to hope and, and pray that Jesus would, would pass by so that he could heal him of his blindness. And, uh, and, and again, Bar Bartimaeus knew that this was his window of opportunity, that the time had come and that he must avail himself of this opportunity that Jesus would be passing by and would soon be gone. And he didn't know whether he would ever pass that way again. Perhaps he wouldn't, and we know he didn't. And so again, he immediately then began to cry out to Jesus Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, Jesus, of course, we're going to see in this passage, responded to his call of faith. Uh, Bartimaeus responded while Jesus was near. He, and and Jesus, Jesus responded to that kind of faith. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And that's exactly what the kind of faith that Jesus responds to. And folks, that's why we say to you, why we encourage you today, if you're here without Christ, we encourage you to hear and listen to the voice of God. Hebrews says, do not harden your heart against the Lord. When you hear the voice of God, respond to his voice. When you hear that he is near, respond to him. Don't harden your heart. Don't say no to him. I remember hearing and reading a, or li listening rather, when I was a young person, a song by the Gaithers. Some of you will remember it. Uh, and the song, the words of the song go, oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by. Do y'all remember that song? Some of you? Nod your head if you remember. It was a great song. They told about, they told one story about coming along through an area, and some of you have had this experience on a trip. You come along and you see where maybe a tornado has gone through. You see the path of, of that destruction. They said, imagine on the other hand in a positive way, coming through a place where Jesus has been. Imagine coming and, and you immediately you begin, to, he, they said, you know, imagine seeing some old dirty rotten bandages on 
on the ground where, where someone, where Jesus has touched them and healed them and they no longer need those bandages. They've been restored. Imagine coming to someone who's leaping and jumping and praising God and you say, what happened? And they said, oh, listen, Jesus passed by and I'm no longer the same. I, I'm now able to see. I was blind, but now I see. Well, that's the kind of, the kind of uh, thing you see happening here this day as Jesus encounters Bartimaeus, as Bar Bar uh, Bartimaeus, uh, Bartimaeus, that's right. Uh, and so he's able to, uh, to see because he responded to the opportunity when Jesus passed by. And once again, we want to say to you today, uh, respond to the Lord Jesus in faith while he is near. Second, notice Jesus responds to the faith of those who acknowledge Jesus as the Christ. And remember, when we use the word Christ, that is the, the New Testament rendering of the same word Messiah. The, the, the Greek word uh, from which the word Christos, from which we get the word Christ, is the same as the Hebrew word from which we get the word Messiah. And so again, uh, Jesus responds to those who acknowledge him as the Christ. Notice the, the crowd, when he asked, who is this? What's going on? They, they said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Well, that's okay. That's who he was. That's how people knew him. Uh, but, but notice how, how Bartimaeus responded. He didn't say, Jesus of Nazareth. No, he said, Jesus, son of David. You know, as, as we know already from Scripture, there were a lot of different opinions about who Jesus was. Jesus asked his disciples that, who do men say that I am? And, and that the disciples were able to give several reports about who people thought that he was. Uh, but Bartimaeus had heard, obviously, about the miracles of Jesus. He'd heard about the fact that now the, the deaf hear, the mute speak, uh, the, the crippled walk, the blind see, and even the dead are raised. Perhaps, again, he, uh, we would believe he was familiar with the Scripture, that the, the Bible, the Old Testament, Isaiah 35, for example, 51, and Isaiah 61, 1, told about, about the Messiah's uh, ministry of healing, and even specifically, his healing of the blind. And uh, you remember in Isaiah 61, we saw over in Luke, rather, chapter 4, that Jesus read from Isaiah 60, uh, 61, which says there, it recorded in Luke 4, 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus closed the scroll and said, this day is this fulfilled in your sight, in your presence. And so Jesus was saying, I'm that person. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that is being prophesied there. And of course, both Jesus' um, birth mother, Mary, and his adoptive father, Joseph, were from David's line. So he fulfilled uh, that prophecy of himself as being, uh, uh, being the Messiah. As we already said last Sunday, many other prophecies concerning the Messiah, Jesus certainly uh, fulfilled. And so he is, he is now in his heart recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as the Christ. In reality, something that some, many others didn't fully grasp. So God has given him an insight. God's already been at work in the heart of Bartimaeus. In our evangelism class, that's one of the things we, we find great encouragement about is we share the gospel with people. We recognize God provides divine appointments and, and, and God may use the gospel that we present to be the, the tool that will help prepare them to respond. And God had already been at work in his heart, helping him to understand 
who Jesus was. You remember when Jesus asked the disciples about who do men say that I am? And then he said, who do you say that I am? And you remember how Peter responded? He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you remember what Jesus said? He said, flesh, blessed are you, Simon. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I believe this day that Jesus could have said the same thing to Bartimaeus when he understood who Jesus was as the Christ. He re recognized that, of course, this was a work of God's Spirit already in his heart to reveal to him uh, through the gospel who Jesus was. So I ask you today, as we think about the kind of faith that Jesus responds to, have you confessed Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one? Have you come to recognize him and, and who uh, the Bible says that he is? But third, I want you to see Jesus responds to the faith of those who cry out to him for mercy. Again, we see that in this, this verse, that's exactly what Bartimaeus is doing. Uh, unlike the Pharisee, uh, he, he didn't uh, begin to come to him and say, well, well Jesus, I want to tell you about all the good things that I've done. I want to enumerate some of my good works and give you the merit that I have, for, for the reason for which you should give me sight today. He didn't do that, did he? No. He said what? He said, have mercy on me. And he said it, really, he, he shouted it twice, and the second time even louder, maybe even more than that. He, uh, he was saying, have mercy on me. And that's another way of saying, be gracious toward me. He's not trying to come to Jesus like that, like the Pharisee in that story, or, or like the rich young ruler that Jesus encountered that said, from my youth up, I've kept the commandments. No, he didn't come to him offering anything. He just came to him asking him, pleading with him, if you will, for mercy. It's been said that mercy is God not giving us what we deserve and grace giving us what we don't deserve. And, and again, we, we all have to come to the Lord Jesus as blind sinners, as spiritually blind, recognizing our real need and, and crying out to him for mercy. And that's exactly what he did. And that's what we do when we come to Jesus uh, for salvation. T Titus 3, 5 says, uh, he, he's, uh, he says, or he's to us, not, excuse me, he saved us not because of our wor the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And we come to him first on that basis, but let me remind you of something, believers. We continue to come to him on that basis. You see, we have a grace-based relationship with Christ. We don't come to him for, in grace and, and, uh, and are saved, and then somehow we're kept by works, or somehow we merit God's favor. No, we always are, are, have a grace relationship. And you know, that's just occurred to me in, in recent years. We sing that song, When We've Been There 10,000 Years, Bright Shining as the Sun, when we're singing about Amazing Grace. Listen, when we've been there 10 billion years, 10 zillion years, or whatever other number you can come up with, that's the size I can count then we, uh, we're still going to be there by grace. And we're still going to be amazed that we're in the presence of God because we do not deserve to be there. And that is continuing to be the, the relationship all of our life and for all eternity. We're there because of grace. We cry out to him for mercy. Number four, notice Jesus' response to the faith of those who call to him with persistent determination. 
Persistent determination. Again, the first time Bartimaeus uh, cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on him. Those who were kind of leading the crowd, and some people believe these are kind of like the, the, the leaders of the city, perhaps, you know, and, they're, uh, and maybe they're not so proud of Bartimaeus. Remember how they think about the, the blind and the, the poor and the, the infirm. They're not so proud of them. And so they, they're, they're kind of being, doing the same thing now the disciples did about the children. They're trying to get him to be quiet. No, you're causing a disturbance. Quieten down. Well, did they discourage him? Absolutely not. The Bible says here, in fact, he cried out the more. He cried out even louder. Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me, even louder. He got the attention of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and again, he's like that persistent widow who just wouldn't be quiet, who wouldn't let up. And, and, uh, and so he continued to persist, uh, and, and, and therefore he had a determined faith. He just wouldn't be stopped. And, and, and again, it comes back to seeking the Lord uh, while he may be found. And, and I want to say to you here, if you're, if you're here without Christ, it's not that you have to prove yourself or, or that you have, to, uh, you have to pray loud to be saved. No, obviously salvation is of the Lord. But I do want to say to you that, that God puts that desire in your heart to, as he draws you to himself. He puts a desire into your heart to come to him. And, and again, that should continue in our life even after we come to Christ. So, so my word to you today, wherever you are, spiritually. If you're here uh, without Christ, I, I plead with you to come to him and don't let anything get in your way of seeking Christ or coming to him. And if you are a believer, have that same pursuit of him to continue to come to Christ and seek after him with all of your heart. Pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a persistent determination. And that's, that's is even as we said in the message on prayer, uh, relating to that persistent widow, continue to persist in prayer and, and, and seek the Lord uh, on the need of your life. Number five, Jesus responds to the faith of those who draw near to him. In verse 40, we see that Jesus stood still. And, and the Bible says here that, that he asked them to, and commanded them to, to bring the man to him. And, uh, and so, you know, just a, a word about that, that, you know, someone said, of course, Jesus, uh, uh, the devil couldn't stop Jesus from getting to Jerusalem. His disciples couldn't stop him. It took a blind beggar to do that. And God, God is still ruling the world, and yet he still stops when he hears the man's cry. Uh, Jesus commanded him to be brought to him. You know, we, we may think, well, why didn't Jesus just go to him? You know, we, we, uh, we may uh, see that one of the things we see about Jesus and his healing miracles is that he did a variety of things. He didn't always do everything the same. But I think there is a, without over-spiritualizing here, I do think there's a beautiful picture of how God works. Uh, we don't come to Jesus, the Bible says, unless he draws us. He calls us and draws us to himself. And we respond to his call to, uh, to draw near to him. And then the Bible says he draws near to us. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, uh, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Uh, and in the same way that Jesus used people, 
people. And he commanded them to go and bring them. You know, he commands us to go. We're instrumental as, as God's witnesses in helping bring people to Jesus. As we share the gospel, God uses the gospel. He uses a witness, and, and he even uses our testimony and our walk to be evidence of, of a relationship with Christ and helping to, uh, to bring people to a right relationship with Christ. But then number six, I want you to see Jesus responds to the faith of those who see and acknowledge their need. So here's the man. He's standing now right in front of Jesus, and Jesus asks him a question. What do you want me to do for you? Now, did Jesus not know the man's need? Of course he did. But he wanted him to confess the need, didn't he? He wanted him to express the need. He knew what he wanted. But the man, the man didn't hesitate. He said, I want to see again. So Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Jesus' question was a simple question. We talked about that this morning, that Jesus often asked people questions. He used questions in, 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 in what he did. And, and that's a good question to to ask you, your heart today, what is it you want Jesus to do for you? You know, a lot of people, again, want only what Jesus uh, can, can provide. They don't really want uh, a surrendered life to him. Uh, but Jesus knew the heart of this man. He knew that it was different. And, uh, and, and Jesus knew exactly what to say. His response was very simple. He just said, I want to see. And, uh, you know, and again, Jesus, through his powerful word, spoke, and this man was healed. Uh, Matthew says that he, that, that he touched their eyes. And, and uh, again, no contradiction. He, he touched their eyes and, and made them see, but it was the power of his word that enabled the man once again to see. He can still speak today and blinded eyes are seen. He can still speak today and as he speaks to our hearts through the power of the word of God, he awakens our hearts. He enables us to see spiritually and see our need for Christ. The moment is like the story we told of the tax collector. Jesus taught the, that, that parable. Of the moment he, he said, God be merciful to me, the sinner, the sinner, he was saved. And, the, and uh, again, the moment we respond to the gospel in repentance and faith, we recognize that Jesus died for our sins, that we are accountable to him, but that he died for our sins because we're sinners separated from him. And we, again, respond by turning from our sin and trusting in Christ. That moment, as we place our faith in Christ, the Bible says we are saved. Instantly, we become a part of his family. So the Lord Jesus responded to this man immediately. So, so today, what, what if Jesus were asking you, what do you want me to do for you? How would you respond? The man's need on his heart was sight. And, uh, but I want to say to you today, whatever your need is, your greatest need today is your need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And our prayer is that God would awaken you and show you your need, that you will acknowledge your need to him. Number seven, Jesus responds to the faith of those who are willing to follow and glorify him. The Bible says here, immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to 
God. You know, you, you might imagine, as some did, there were times, you remember Jesus healed those, uh, those lepers, and you remember all but one of them ran back home? Well, you know, we, we, we don't want to be too hard on those guys, because, you know, what would you have done? Uh, if, if you'd been this fellow, you know, probably the uh, first thing we'd say, well, man, uh, man, I want to go tell my family what's happened to me. You know, they've been bringing me up here and sitting me down every day and they're going to be surprised when I come home early today and I'm able to see. But this man, the Bible says, immediately began to follow Jesus. Again, I believe there's more than just, than just a physical following, though that was a part of it. We remember that's what Jesus told the, 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 the rich young ruler that, that he used to to basically sell everything he has, give it to the, the poor, and come and follow him. And when he called his disciples, that's what he said. Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. That's what disciples do. That's what a Christ follower is. Follower is. It's one who has forsaken all and followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that that's exactly what happened in this man's life, and uh, that he has picked up his cross in a sense, and he's now following the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was glorifying God for what he did. Done. You know, again, this Jericho's small enough town that most people probably had seen Bartimaeus on the side of the road. And now they see this man walking, and I believe, no, no doubt, uh, glorifying God. Uh, he wasn't inhibited about his praise to God for what God had done, for what Jesus, who is God, had done for him. He's giving praise to God, and he's glorifying God. He's pointing people to Jesus. And again, that is our joy, as well as our responsibility to a believer. And, and you see, this man uh, was now, uh, he, was a, he was the evidence of of God's power. He was, his, his, his healed eyes, his ability to see now is evidence of, of a changed life. And again, that's what we're to do. God's called us not only to be a witness, as Dr. Rogers used to say, but also to help supply the evidence of a changed life, the difference that Jesus makes in a life when we repent and come to Christ as Lord. So he's, he's following Jesus. He's glorifying the Lord Jesus. And as a result, others are glorifying him too. Reminds me of Matthew uh, chapter 5 that tells us we're to let our light so shine that others may see our good works and do what? Glorify our Father who's in heaven. Others are able to see the change. Can others see the change in you? Can others see the difference that Jesus has made in your life, you know, going from being blind to being able to see, man, that's transformation. And the Bible says that we were in darkness, but when we come to faith in Christ, we're brought from darkness into light. We're different. Now, he's not finished with us yet. We're a work in progress. He's still working on us. But there is change that takes place immediately and, and continues until Jesus takes us home to be with him. And so this man was gloriously changed. You know, few of us have the experience of being physically blind. But every person in the sound of my voice today has had the experience of being spiritually blind. And you're in one of two places today. You are either still in spiritual blindness, you are still in darkness, and you cannot see, or by the grace of God, you have come to see your need and you've repented of your sin, place your faith in Christ, and receive spiritual sight. Where, where are you today? Where are you? Are you still in darkness? Are you still in blindness spiritually? Now, and you, before you say, wait a minute, Pastor, yes, I'm, I'm a church member. I've been baptized. I want to remind you that about another man. 
a man named Saul of Tarsus who, who thought that he had it all together. We could name many others in Scripture. But he, but he thought everything was right with God. But, but God, uh, Jesus, he encountered the Lord Jesus himself after the resurrection and the ascension and came to recognize his spiritual blindness. And, 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 and God, the Lord Jesus showed him that day. He allowed him to be physically blind for a period after he saw the light of the Lord Jesus. And, and, and he had a testimony of how God delivered him. Uh, so don't, don't just think because you're religious that everything's good. If there's not been a time in your life that you recognize that you're a sinner and you repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ and Christ alone to save you, then the Bible says you are still in your sin and you're still in your darkness. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So I want to challenge you today on, on, on several points today. First of all, I want to urge you as a, as a believer, uh, in, in just a few moments, we're going we're gonna to think about them and some points together. But, but I encourage you to think about people on your heart who need Christ, those who are still in spiritual darkness, and see your responsibility to help bring them to Christ and to, to see their need for Christ. And so I want you to think about today, just think about in your Family, for example, who in your family is still in spiritual darkness? Who's still blinded in their sin? Think about those people today. Do you see your responsibility to reach out to, to those family members? Will you ask God today in, in, in our time of response to use you to take the gospel to them so that they can have spiritual sight, so that they can be born again, can be saved? What about your neighbors? What about those neighbors uh, around you, to, the, to either side of you or to the front of you or behind you? Do, do you? do you know your neighbors? Do you know where they are spiritually? I didn't say, do, do they go to church? Do you know where they are? Could they still be in their, in their spiritual blindness? And, and you are the, God's put you there strategically to share the gospel with them. Take seriously your responsibility. But I want to say to you today, as, 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 as unbelievers, just as Bartimaeus had his opportune moment to cry out to Jesus for sight, uh, I want to urge you to think today that you, need, that, that you have an opportune moment to cry out to Jesus for salvation. You may not have another opportunity. Today, if you're hearing the Word of God and, and you have heard the Word of God today about a Savior who invites you to come to Him for mercy, uh, Jesus is spiritually, He's here, He's passing by, and He may never, never pass so close to you again. He's the only one with the power to open your spiritual eyes and enable you to see your eyes that have been blinded by sin. So like Bartimaeus did, I want to urge you today, call out to him, cry out to him for mercy. Come to him in repentance and faith, trusting who he is and that he is the one and he's the only one who can save you. Don't try to come like these others we've seen, bringing merit to him and offering what you've done. No, come to him in, for mercy and cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. 
You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.